Welcome to the Innovation Today podcast, where we speak with today's technology leaders about how they're innovating to stay ahead of changing industry dynamics and reaching new levels of productivity and automation. Brought to you by ServiceNow, your partner in digital transformation. All right, welcome. And thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Innovation Today podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Beemiller, hailing from the Innovation Office at ServiceNow. And today, I'm super stoked to bring and welcome to you, Saurabh Dubey, Global Go-To-Market Leader for ServiceNow Sustainable Climate and Equity Offerings at Deloitte. Saurabh, welcome in. Uh, thank you so much, Spencer. Great to be here with you. Glad to have you. Yeah, today we're going to dive into the topic of ESG, which I know is near and dear to your health and to your heart. And specifically, maybe the importance around the journey of what an ESG offering could look like at the clients that we probably collaboratively consult with. But first, I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit about your yourself, Saurabh, and how this has kind of been a, a passion project for you for a fair amount of your career. Yeah, sure. Um, so by designation, I'm a managing director within, Del- uh, within Deloitte Consulting. Um, I sit within our technology services optimization organization, which is essentially the hub of our uh, ServiceNow market offering. This topic is essentially kind of a cross-section of two things that I really like, right? So you've got you know, all things you can do with the platform and then sustainability, climate, and equity, which, uh, like you said, rightly, was a passion project of mine for a long time. About, I'd say about 10 years ago, I wrote, uh, coming out of my business school, I wrote a white paper called Greening ITIL. Uh, it was something that I was you know, doing just because ITSM had been my background at that point and it was something that I just just did for credit. But that's what kind of got me hooked into the whole concept um, or into the E of the ESG at that point. Uh, Ten years hence, uh, or I'd say more like seven years since, I ended up, uh, you know, as ESG became a buzzword, as more things started getting discussed around it, I got pulled back into it and... Like I said, this became a passion of mine. I started reading a lot in this space, started understanding what needs to be done, and uh, ended up where I am today. Yeah, that's awesome. So you kind of wrote the book on some of this stuff back in the day. Now, the book <laughs> really was, sure was written well before I did that work. Wow, but you were you were a, a thought leader in the beginning, at least. I mean, I, I don't know that many people were talking about ESG. I mean, of course, the green movement has been around for a long time, but you you thought about how to relate it with the ITIL process, which is near and dear to our house, our our house here at ServiceNow. Exactly, and this was because I started my career in ITSM, um, and uh, with the original kind of I think ITIL V two is when I started my uh, career, so I was fairly close to that topic and that was the, one of the easiest things I could think of when I was thinking about, you know, what what should my white paper be about? It was written for, for credit for business school. My professor liked it. He was a co-author with me. He published it, and it's actually available. I keep getting pings once or twice these days about, you know, somebody pulled out the paper and starting still, still looking at it. So, Oh, amazing. Okay, so even we could go back and read it if we'd like to now, huh? Yep, you should be able to All find right. it online. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, sweet. Now, now thinking about it, let's see, seven seven years or so since that's happened, since you were saying, how how does uh, how does ESG tie into other areas of the large organization that that is Deloitte? So, uh, first, I should start off by putting some baseline. Right, ESG has been around, and more specifically, sustainability and climate are topics that 
Deloitte's been looking at for over 15 years. So well before, like I said, even the, you know, the, the little white paper. Um, we've got market offerings that have been out in that space for that long. Some of the people who uh, lead these offerings are on the boards of uh, the government organizations or the um, reporting standard bodies that we're talking about. They're the ones who are truly writing you know, the books on some of this stuff. And if you look at how all of this gets spread across um, any single organization, ESG is kind of built across it, right? I mean, there's elements of um, environmental sustainability that can be introduced across different areas. There is um, things around social equity that can be included around that. And governance has been, well, the bread and butter of every large organization forever. So those things have been part of what Deloitte's been offering throughout. With the new, um, I guess, attraction or... Um, we should say the new um, liking towards ESG as a concept, we've got a, a lot more focus on this space. Uh, the firm, uh, I think recently put out, say about six months ago, that we've got a billion dollar fund focused on creating the market around this space and, and internally inclusive of how much we're, we're spending on, you know, improving our own performance across ESG um, as a company. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different things happening. Plus, on top of that, if you look at um, the org structure, this is we're just talking, you know, Deloitte uh, US, but Deloitte Global has even more footprint across the world of what we are providing as offerings. So if you think about it, we've created um, a few different solutions, and I'll talk specifically about ServiceNow. Right? I mean, before the ServiceNow ESG management. Uh, offering or solution came out before your application came out. Um, we're already working on the platform to create some solutions out there in the market. So our New Zealand offering out of uh, Asia Pacific, our, our New Zealand um, member firm, they've created a couple of products uh, on the platform, one of which is actually available on the store. Uh, our UK uh, practice has been working on some carbon accounting solutions. Um, and the European practice has also been working on a couple of, um, we call them the, uh, you know, risk-based solutions that have that have needed to be out there. For instance, our German practice is focused on the supply chain. This is the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act, uh, and how you can use risk management to make sure that you're in compliance with that. Um, they're also working on uh, the sustainability. Uh, this is a product they created: sustainability supplier carbon audit process. This essentially looks at your upstream um, uh, suppliers and looks at their carbon footprint and audits them uh, for the CO2 footprint. So they're, they're, we've been doing space or we've been doing stuff in this space for a while, even as the solutions come out. And then most recently, we've uh, been working on a product called uh, Clear Carbon, which is also, um, there's a version of that product built on ServiceNow that we are taking to our clients it is about the carbon credit abatement that a, an organization can do. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there, yeah. Yeah, and I think what, what, what I'm hearing there, along from the, the wealth of diversity that you, you offer and your org offers as, as solutions, is it's important to have some type of foundation where you can have that flexibility to build these, these, these compliance mechanisms and tracking 
operations on top of a system that provides the foundation. So you want you want to have the flexibility to be able to tailor towards the specific line of business that you're talking to, or maybe the country that you're talking to, based on the the regulations that they have, have to adhere to. But there is there is kind of like a foundational layer of what what's our what's our starting template, what's our what's our initiation of get good, and then then Deloitte can come on here and and kind of turn these different lobs and levers to create these offerings that are important for specific regions or specific clients or specific lines of business. Yeah, I think. Um... The the way we we talk about this in the in the market, and especially when we talk about technology uh, enablement of this right of this foundational element that you're talking about, we talk in terms of what we take to our clients is a what plus how story, right? The what is what should they be doing, and the how is how do they enable it using a technology landscape, because what we're talking about is not a one time transformational project you can do and be done with, right? This is not something that you're going to run in a SharePoint or run in a, you know, run in through Excels and be done with it. Um, I understand that most organizations are prioritizing uh, reporting right now, and therefore it can feel like, well, that's that works, right? I can throw a bunch of folks on it. And uh, using that, I can uh, do this through Excels and SharePoints and other kind of local systems. But as you called it, you need to have this foundational capability because that foundational capability is what will enable the journey for you. Because like I said, this is not about a one-time transformation. It's about a journey. And this journey is not a, you know, we're going to do this for the next four years. It's an SAP project kind of a thing, transformation thing. This is, if you just take the Paris Accord, this is a seven-year, 17-year, 27-year journey that we're talking about, right? The timelines for the most aggressive of organizations for carbon neutrality right now are looking at 2035. So we're talking about um, 12 years from today for them to be where they want to be. And it's also not a it's not a change that you do just in the the way you're kind of operating one time. It's a change of behavior that you have to induce. And the behavioral change won't happen if you're going to do this as a one-time activity. That's why you need that foundational layer of uh, you know, how are you going to track this? What commitments are you making internally to yourself as an organization and to your stakeholders? How are you going to track those commitments? And then what are you going to do to actually move the needle on those commitments specifically? And then how will you influence the behavioral change that comes with those commitments that you have to make, right? All of that put together is the what plus how story that, that I talked about earlier, right? So we look at it as, let's take, for example, we have a we have a group that focuses on um, um, supply chain, right? For that group, there are specific goals that would apply to them, and therefore their what is what should an organization do in order to improve their performance across the supply chain with the lens of sustainability, climate, and equity, right? And these are different lenses. So it's almost like you're talking a horizontal line with three verticals next to it, and how do you work on that? And that's what I'm talking about. The how then comes to say, okay, how am I going to make sure that I can enable it through a technology that lasts with me through that time frame and not one that I'm changing every other year? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's another important point is choosing the right technology up front to ensure that it's going to be there throughout this journey and not just a, a big bang transformation where you know it may, it may not it may not be there to help you 
do the reporting and, and be embedded in how you track the, the functionality of ESG going forward. And I think you, you made another piece there that is, is super important along this is the, the distinguishing between the journey and the transformation effort. I, I even envision it more so the fact that it's even in the journey aspect and it, maybe we have these longer term trajectories of where we're trying to get to by, by net neutral or net neutrality by 2030 for us at service now, but 2035 from a lot of our customers out there. It's not done there, right? If we even even once we get to that point, it's almost like this, if you're familiar with the CSI model, this continual service improvement model of, okay, now that we've achieved this progress up to this point and we're net neutral, now what? Now we have the fa- now we have all this great foundational layer of of offsetting carbon carbon foot offsetting our carbon footprint as an organization, getting more su- sustainably um, minded around how we're sourcing our from, from our different sourcing vendors, but it's it's a continual evolution. We're now it's now it's embedded in the way that we do business, and we're continuing to kind of move that mile marker further down the line. Once we do reach that net neutrality point, to say, well, now how can I even be maybe net negative, or how can I even be, um, you know, more more mindful around that? That's you know, I'm using the carbon offsetting piece here, but they get that carbon offsetting t- mindset uh, as an organization. Yeah, and and we know that the world is cyclic in nature by design, right? It's the same concept of old fashions come back, old behaviors also come back. So this is about changing the behavior in a way that it stays there and it sustains that behavior for a longer period of time. So uh, to the example that you took earlier, uh, when somebody says, okay, talk to me about a behavioral change that you would like to see that impacts, uh, you know, carbon neutrality. It's like, okay, uh, so today every organization has a, simple policy to save money, which is you're going to fly from point A to point B, you're going to find the cheapest ticket that goes from point A to point B to get there. And I remember at one point in my career, I remember that the cheapest ticket to fly from Boston to Toronto, which is Boston's where I used to live, uh, was a flight that went from Boston to Orlando and then flew to Toronto. <laughs> and that flight was $180 compared to a direct flight that was about $800. No way. <laughs> It's it's just how some of these things work, right? But at yeah. that point, if the policy had been, well, you need to look at the min the combined minimum of cost of the carbon offset and the cost of the flight, then it makes no sense to fly first to Orlando and then go to Toronto if I'm going to make that trip, right? Because just it's it would be common sense that carbon offset of flying taking two flights especially where one goes all the way back south before it goes up north, is going to be uh, more. So just that example of, you know, that's the kind of policy change that we're talking about that has to be put in place and behavioral change that has to be induced, right? We can all do a one-time project that says we need to have, uh, you know, uh, minority-led programs or vendors that must be at least X percent of our business, right? And yet government can put tax incentives to support that. But if that is done as a point-in-time activity for a few years, then that doesn't help unless it becomes part of your DNA on how you source. Like you said earlier, your supply strategy or your sourcing strategy needs to behave differently. And that's why you need to have sustainability in the thought for sustainability. Um, It's a bit recursive in that design, but yeah. No, it's it, it. I think to me it makes sense at least. I, I think you're you're hitting on a, a lot of poignant points on that as well. On I, and I love the your. I, I mean, I mean, I almost want to tease this out a little bit more, but your journey versus transformation 
aspect on this is something that we're going to continually do. And this is something that maybe has been cyclically done in the past as well. Like if I, if I think about the adoption of cloud, for instance, that was never a transformational effort. It may have felt maybe transformational for, for portions of the business, but that's still an ongoing journey. I mean, it's much more accepted nowadays of, of um, cloud being at the forefront of how we run a lot of our applications and it being a streamlined way to get innovation out there, especially if you're a, a starting company. But that's it's also a journey in that realm. I mean, digital transformation, I could say, even though it has transformation in the title, is also a journey, right? It's it's also something that's continually evolving and, and changing in front of us. So I think, or, and, and getting more into the root of how we view business into concepts like what the future of work is going to look like. So I, I think this, I, I love this this um, extrapolation that you have there of, of journey rather than transformation on ESG and, and getting it into the mindset of, how business operates and how we as individuals operates with what operate within the businesses that we work with. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's be very clear. Right? I mean, journeys start with transformation. Nobody just starts like slowly walking towards good. <laughs> Everybody needs a big moment to say, "Okay, we're going to start doing this." The the thing that people have to remember, or, or I guess organizational leaders have to remember, is that they need to walk in with the mindset that this transformational program will start the journey for me. And there will be point-in-time transformations which will push this constantly ahead. Your cloud example is the perfect example of that, right? Nobody overnight said, okay, let's start moving these two servers into cloud, then we move another two, and then another two. That's not how that journey began for every organization. Everybody went, went, okay, let's look at one business that is probably the most either the the least risk uh, cons- uh, impacting or the most cost impacting and pick them up and move them to the cloud. That'll be a large effort. We're going to spend X million dollars to it. And that's how we start. And then after a point of time, once they did that, they'll see the benefit and they'll slow down. And then somebody else will say, okay, we got to do this again. We got to do it with a different set of people. Now let's get them onboarded and let's get them rolling out. So it's going to happen. And these uh, transformations are essentially uh, not accelerators, but these are more um, triggers for this journey to keep moving forward. To some extent, in the context of ESG, the you can look at this as every time a new regulation comes out uh, or a proposal comes out for updated reporting structures or uh, a, a new company comes out with a new idea about a product that can help you improve faster uh, so it's all of those things that are going to help you move forward. But again, the underlying theme of journey is what you need to acknowledge when you begin it, right? It's it's not something that most people are not going to look at this and go, well, I got to do this now because regulations are out. So my, my mention earlier of the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act, um, it, it, it applies to Europe, specifically Germany, France, and a few countries there. And... Uh, from that perspective, it is something that almost acts as an event that makes people do a project that would look at how they're in compliance with it or not. They're in compliance with the regulations or not. So it's a point in time effort that is part of their journey. But the journey is going on because by doing this, they move the needle a little bit. By doing maybe a different project about optimizing their supply chain, they move the needle a little more. By doing a project about uh, you know carbon abatement, they move the needle a little more. So it's that's the that's the journey mindset 
that you have to account for because if you don't have that mindset, then it'll always feel like, oh, I got to pull out more money to make this happen now. And that's just not how, again, that's not how this would be. This needs to be an acknowledged part that every year we're going to have to do a certain amount of things to move forward. Like my visual in my head of how organizations should go through this process is take a spiral, like put a straight line and put a spiral, like a spring around it, right? And every circle or every full circle of that spring or spiral is one year in that uh, client's journey. Starts off by saying, okay, what's material to us? Right? We talk about material topics all the time. What's material to us? Um, what commitments are we willing to make on those material topics and goals? Right, And those are our internal commitments uh, to our stakeholders. Those are also the commitments eventually to our shareholders and everybody else who's looking at us. Then we move forward and say, okay, in order to make these commitments or in order to meet these commitments, what do I need to do? What, what projects do I need to accomplish? That's where the transformation pushing us ahead comes in, right? So, and this is where, you know, I can put on like, you know, my Deloitte consulting hat and go, every project or every um, offering that we have in the ESG space is like a little dot on that spiral circle, right? Of a project done to focus on this, a project done to focus on that, a project done to focus on that. And these are things that are moving the needle ahead across multiple goals and therefore across the you know the ESG factors as a whole. Towards the end of that spiral, you get to year end where you are now obliged to report on stuff, right? When you're doing this reporting, that's when the regulatory reporting bodies and everything else comes in. You report. As you report, you start looking at your next year. Your next year is again the same question that you asked at the start of first year. Now this year, what is more important to me? Because as time progresses, the material topics also change. You can't tell me that material topic will remain exactly the same year after year. It will change in priority. And every year, therefore, you're going to spend a different amount of time and effort in improving yourself across those. And every time you do that, you would create that push to move further on the journey, and you would create that um, behavioral change that comes with it to say, we're going to do things differently now that we're moving forward. Uh, whether it's through these individual projects or transformational uh, initiatives we do, or whether it's through the behavioral change that we subtly introduce as we're going through this journey. So it's the spiral that goes around and around and around and keeps going forward on the timeline to say that's what you're doing. Year after year, you're moving yourself forward by focusing on specific areas that are important to you. And that's the journey. That's a great visualization. I've, I've, I've never thought of it that way. I'm almost envisioning like a little DNA strand in my mind that, that also has that same trajectory of the timeline is the, the milestones that you're hitting and the offerings out there, the technology out there, the, the latest of what's happening in the temperament of the world are the adjustments along that kind of circular line that goes around the, the individual milestone timelines. Yep. That's, that's a super that's what, visualization. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I think as as part of that, it kind of begs the question of criticality and not just like it, not just another topic of importance. So I know this is also something that you're you're pretty passionate about. So thinking about why companies could see as CESG as critical and not just as another thing that they're doing to to check a box and saying they're an ESG minded organization. Do you have any thoughts around why why companies should should view ESG as critical? 
Yeah, so I, I had this conversation with um, with a client recently, and uh, this was a one of those moments where we're in way more agreement with each other on how we're looking at this thing. Uh, the conversation was, I get it that this is not a priority now, because we were talking about um, uh, CSDR, which, or CSRD, sorry, the, the new rules that just were proposed and came out in November. As a result of that, we were we were talking about the timelines by which specific companies need to be in compliance with reporting standards right it was very focused around the re- regulatory reportings that are that are up upcoming for most most organizations and as we went through this conversation i was talking about how i get it that you're not due for doing this till 2024 but what you don't want to do is get to 2024 and say now we've got to do this because this is not something that you would be able to show uh, results on by doing six months of work. It's like my dad used to tell me when I was, you know, in in high school, if you think you can study the last three days before the exam and pass, that's okay. But if you think you can study the last three days and top the exam, that's not going to happen. So you you may barely scrape through if you're going to wait till the end. And more often than not, what happens if you wait for the last three days? You spend the last three days doing nothing else not living your life, not focusing on anything else, just studying and cramming for the exams. That's what's going to happen to organizations that can, that are going to put it down and are going to put themselves in a, we're going to make this happen later. Right now, what we're doing works, and so we're going to keep doing that. That approach is why I think that, that there's a difference between, everybody knows this is important. Right? Nobody's saying that this is not important, but they don't understand that it is critical. It's not just important. It is it's something you need to start now. Even if it's a small, a little bit of effort towards this, a thin line of, you know, project line item that you have to start looking at it. But you have to start now because if you wait for too late, you'll be cramming before the exams. So that, that perspective, I think, is what we were talking about. And uh, it's it's most organizations, their mindset today is, yeah, we're going to have to do this 2024 is when the when you know where do you in 2024 is a year and a half out well 2024 is a year and a half out yes it is but it takes about eight months to do this so if you think you can do this in 2024 you're late a little daddy duvet wisdom there i love it <laughs> Cramming for the exam is not always the optimal version of uh, of success, especially as you as you get later in life and realize that it, it helps to be to have these processes in your world that make you uh, make you a little bit more mindful throughout the lifeline of of what it's going to take to reach that trajectory. I I'm almost um I'm, I kind of actually I love that thought process on this on the, the that we want to embed this in into what they're already doing, and I think what maybe maybe you can help help me work through this a little bit, but I think cus- customers feel like our clients out there, they have a lot of this data already. So it, it maybe is just showing them or enlightening them that they're capturing a lot of this in places already that we can start to pull from. Like I think a G and governance, for example, they've, they've already been doing this for, you know, as long as they've been in business, yeah, yeah decades. So showing them that it's, it, it, it's critical in that fact, yes, but it also you have a fair amount of this information already. Now it's just looping it into a single area or dashboard, command center, whatever you want to call it, to start getting 
more prescriptive about how you're adhering to it on a regular basis. You, you, you have the data, you have a fair amount of this data. Let's just start to think about how we want to report about it, report to it, to the street in a, in a, in a, in a way that makes sense and report, report to it to regulators and even report to it to ourselves internally so we can continually progress and see how we're progressing as our organizations evolve. Yeah, there is, there is data in our organizations today. Um, that is that is completely uh, you know a fact. That's that's just that's a that's just how it is right now. Governance has been around for a while. There are I guess flavors of governance that might be different, but the core of it is there. Uh, we have HR systems that give us score on our behavior till date of how we behave on diversity or equity or inclusion and all of those things. We also have um, you know everybody gets their electricity bill. This information is not something that you have to go chase down, right? And today, a lot of people are chasing it down because they feel that I need to go get it. Um, and the answer is, well, you already are getting it. If you were able to take care of it now in a more structured manner, and this comes back to the technology enablement conversation, right? Um, and yes, I'm getting a little technical, little tactical with respect to you know a product-related conversation here. But uh, if, if we were able to create, let's say, an integrated solution this year, you're probably not going to spend another five resources for the next 10 years while you figure out, hey, how do I automate this, right? There's cost savings built in how you think about doing this today versus how, um, you know, this gets done today. So that, that's the approach that I think, um, especially when we talk about customers who are looking at trying to solve the problem I'm trying to solve the problem for for their future state. Um, so I lost my chain of thought suddenly. No, that's okay. Well, I think I think let's let's maybe give them those customers that are listening or, or individuals out there listening that that feel like they know where this data is or they know it's in disparate systems, but maybe they just don't know where to start. Do, where do you like to con- kind of consult customers on on where where to start? Like how, how can we start to get 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 more mindful around this. Get some more action around it. Get, get start to consolidate our data and start to embed it into, um, it, it start to embed an ESG mindset into how we how we do our day to day operations in our business. So when we talk about what is important for our clients, right? It's a combination of what plus how, and the what is the focus on what activities do they need to do in order to be successful or or go forward in being able to track this. So what are your goals? that you care about today. You already have that because you're publishing a CSR report. Um, and if I look at the metrics that are widely published out there by all the governing bodies, all the standards bodies, there's a core set that applies to everybody. I know every company thinks that they're different, but to some extent, they're all the same. They all run the business. So there's a core set that that applies to everybody, right? In E, it's about water, uh, saving water. It's about um, you know carbon neutrality. Uh, in S, this is about social equity, diversity, inclusion. In G, this is about cybersecurity. Those are the elements that everybody cares about. Starts from there. Start by tracking those. Start by automating how you track those so that you can then start focusing. Like I said, in the next spiral, you start focusing on things that are relevant to you. So in the next spiral turn, if you're a finance organization, start looking at financed emissions. This is, again, something that you should have access to uh, two from a data perspective. Uh, somebody else's uh, scope three is your scope uh, three as well, or scope two as well in this case. 
sorry, scope one in this case. So the way you would spin it out is start by the simple, basic stuff, identify those goals. And again, they're, they're from market offering standpoint, there's a series of offerings that can help do that. Um, then start looking at the enabling technology. And for obvious reasons, all of us will say, you know, ServiceNow is a great point to start. Um, start by defining those goals that are core to you, that you believe are common. And most organizations, including us right now, have a content pack that gets you started with the core set, right? And that core set is connected to a very uh, simple and uh, enabled set of uh, systems where this data gets connected today. So again, I don't want this to be a all about the product conversation, but a few examples make sense. So if you have your uh, electricity bills coming from Schneider Electric, we know that there's an integration with ServiceNow that could make that happen. So simple scenarios like that could be could be created. If you have workday in your world, you know you're you're already getting and gathering the diversity data in your organization. That integration is a straightforward conversation to happen. And so you what you do is you take out the people who are looking at collecting that data manually today. Because let's be sure, everybody is throwing people at this problem right now. Not many are looking at it from a technology perspective. Start taking those people off of that problem and start refocusing them on things where you don't have the data and you have to go out and get the data. So that's where your focus changes. You use your resources the right way by enabling the technology to take care of things that you already have with you. So that would be the starting point I'd recommend. Yeah, that's a huge point too. And it goes to this kind of theme that we're probably going to hear throughout this year. And we've heard it started a little bit last year of how I can do more with less or do more with the same because maybe my my workforce isn't necessarily increasing this year. So I'm happy to get more efficient about how to leverage the people that I have to be able to get the same amount of work or more work done. So that's a, that's a huge point on using the systems and the data that you have already in those environments and the people that were historically doing that data collection for you in those systems, leverage the automation component to free up their time to go do the stuff that we we don't have the data on yet. And then that's where we can continue that spiral and, and all evolve together down the, down the ESG pipeline, if you will. Beautiful. Well, this has been an extremely fruitful conversation, at least for me, Sarab. I, I hope this was exciting for you just as much. I'd, I'd, I'd love to maybe leave it on the last bit of where, where individuals could potentially find more about you and the work you consult on or any any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, thank you, uh, Spencer. This was, like you said, great conversation for me as well. Um, in terms of uh, about me, I think uh, LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me. And um, we also, I think uh, the, the ServiceNow ESG Partner ebook has a lot of uh, information around, you know, what, uh, what Deloitte offers. Um, but then there's there's a whole lot of information on uh, the Deloitte's website as around this as well. Um, so I'd say that's that's where you go to to look for you know look for me in that case. Good deal. All right. Well, thanks again, Sir Rob, and everybody out there. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Innovation Today podcast. We look forward to seeing you and hearing you on the next one. <laughs>